This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. The market's acting very, very strange today. And in fact, some of these articles that we're going to read is going to give you an idea of what Wall Street's currently thinking about in today's podcast. First off, some news that we're going to talk about. European stocks closed 2.8% higher following U.S. inflation reading. Okay. Then we have other news to talk about. Carvana's in the news again today. Carvana in the auto industry shares jumped more than 30% from record lows. And this is just a couple days after we had just reported that Carvana was not doing well. Then we got some interesting news from the Amazon tech sector. Amazon is introducing Sparrow robotic arms that can do repetitive warehouse tasks and what this means for the robotic industry moving forward. Then we have some news from Carl Icahn, who believes that today's market rally was really just, well, it's just we're still in a bear market despite the rally on today, on Thursday. And finally, we got some news from Elon Musk in a letter that we must read that kind of back up Carl Icahn's claims currently right now. With that being said, I have to remind you all that I'm not a professional advisor in any way, shape, or form. Everything I talk about in this podcast is for information purposes only. You need to do your own research before investing in any companies. You're not guaranteed to make money when you invest in the stock market. Your financial advisor would understand your situation a lot better than I would. I legally cannot give you financial advice in any way, shape, or form. This podcast is for information and entertainment purposes only. Go talk to your professional advisor before investing. I legally cannot give you financial advice. With that being said, let's begin today's podcast. The European markets jump on Thursday afternoon after October's reading of U.S. consumer price offered hope that inflation stateside has peaked. The pan-European stock 600 previously closed 2.8% higher after the CPI printed was published. Tech stocks ended up 7.6% leading gains as the majority of the sector and all major uh, bordices closed in the positive territory. Oil and gas stocks were the sole outlier by the close of play, ending down 0.2%. The U.S. Consumer Price Index, a broad measure of inflation, rose by 0.4% in October from a month ago. On a year-over-year basis, the CPI rose 7.7%. Economic is pulled by the Dow Jones and projected a monthly incline of 0.6%. Any annual rise of 7.9%. Control of the U.S. House and Senate was still up in the air Wednesday as states across the country tallied votes in neck-to-neck midterm election races. While Republicans are expected to win control of the House, they are set to gain favor- uh, fewer seats than initially thought. Meanwhile, Democrats have so far gained one Senate seat. President Joe Biden and his Democrat Party beat back expectations as of a strong Republican performance on Election Day. Quote, it didn't happen. The president said of the predictions of a red wave that would lead to GOP holding a strong grip on the House and Senate. Biden said he is prepared to work with Republicans if they can win control of one or both chambers of Congress. He added that he expects to speak soon to House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy, the House likely next House Speaker if the GOP flips the House. You know, I got to say this, okay? It's interesting that they currently cannot finish tallying the votes right now across the nation. Whereas, for instance, in Florida, they're able to get 7 million votes done to figure out who won the governor's election. It is interesting and also scary to think that this can't be done in this time and age. feels like votes should be done a lot faster, but that's a whole topic for another day. And this is not the podcast for it. But I do know this, like we've mentioned, Wall Street firmly believes a house is flipping. And if the house does not flip, you can expect the market to start crashing soon. 
again, not probably as bad as we think it's going to be, but it will flip. Okay. Ironically, flipping would be in the market too. But I mean, it's it's just strange to think that European stocks closed 2.8% higher following US inflation readings. So are they predicting that inflation is going to keep going up? It's weird to think. It's just really, really weird to think right now. Then we got this news too from Carvana. Carvana shares jumped more than 30% from record lows. From CNBC, shares of Carvana jumped by much as 32% Friday morning, representing a small yet notable increase after the week of significantly declines for the used car retailer. The stock hit $10 a share during early trading, but was given back some of those gains and was trading around $9.49 per share during trading mid-morning, up by 25%. The move comes, uh, the, correction, the move came as the broader market surged on the news of cooling inflation. Despite the double-digit increase, the embattled stock remains off roughly 97% this year. That includes a more than 30% decline since last Thursday, when the company missed Wall Street's top and bottom line expectations for the third quarter. The missed expectations and lackluster outlook were in addition to the used car make market falling from record demand, pricing, and profits during the coronavirus pandemic. Carvana grew exceptionally during the coronavirus pandemic as shoppers lifted to online purchasing rather than visiting a dealership with the promise of hassle-free selling and purchasing of used vehicles at a customer home. But analysis are concerned about the company's liquidity, increasing debt, and growth. There are no apparent reasons for Thursday's stock increase. More than 17 million shares had traded hands at 10.40 a.m. Thursday. That compares to a 10-day average of 27 million shares. Carvana is one of Wall Street's most heavily shorted stocks with nearly 40% of shares available for trading sold short according to FactSet. Stocks with a higher short interest are likely to pop in market rallies as investors who have bet against these companies are likely to cover their short positions of, to buying back borrowed stock. This can lead to what's known as a short squeeze. I do agree. I think a lot of short squeezes have been happening on Wall Street across the board, to be all honest. I mean, if you look at the market some days and if you look at certain individual stocks, you'll see like they're beaten down all day when the market's up. And then like as the market closes, the stock will shoot up. And the short squeezes seem to be happening everywhere these days. Because it doesn't make sense that Carvana would be jumping this much, especially when they have just reported earnings, which we talked about in our last podcast or two podcasts ago. I advise go listen to that Carvana podcast where Carvana had reported and they just not, they're just not doing that well right now. And all honestly, I mean, at one point their share was, a, I think it was close to $70 a share, maybe higher. And now they're at $9 a share. It's not looking too good for the used car industry. And like I had said in the last podcast with Carvana, I firmly believe Carvana, if they're going to survive, have to start, has, they have to start getting into electric cars currently right now. I mean, right now, in California, New York, as we've talked about, California, New York are banning all gas cars or at least selling of gas cars by 2030, 2035, depending on which one that was happening for the state. But that's where a lot of potential cars are going to be needed soon, especially if electric cars become the future. And there's gonna be a huge demand for electric cars soon. So there's a chance that even some of these car stocks, including Carvana in particular, might become more valuable with time due to the supply and demand issues of electric cars in the making. But speaking of, but speaking of potential demands that are going to make things a lot interesting, for instance, Amazon in particular, they introduced Sparrow robotic arm that can do repetitive warehouse tasks. This is an interesting one. <clears throat> on th Amazon on Thursday showed off a new robot that could one day assist warehouse workers with some of the more tedious aspects of the job. The company unveiled Sparrow a robotic arm that can pluck millions of items of varying shapes and sizes 
on stages at the Delivering and Future Conferences near Boston, where it showcased new robotics transportation and last mile delivery technologies. Amazon says Sparrow uses computer vision and artificial intelligence to move products before, they're pa- before they are packaged. A video Sparrow shows the robotic arm picking up a board game, a box of vitamins, and a set of sheets. All of the kinds of items that might flow through one of the company's warehouses and definitely placing them in crates. While the introduction of robots to the warehouse often raises questions about whether human jobs will be replaced, Amazon says Sparrow will take on repetitive tasks, freeing employees up to focus on other things. The company also said the technology can improve safety in the workplace, although the prospect has been debated. An investigation by Reveal from the Center of Investigative Reporting found that the company's warehouses with robots have higher injury rates than than facilities without automation. Amazon has steadily added to its fleet of warehouse robots since it acquired Kiva Systems for $775 million a decade ago. Kiva evolved into Amazon Robotics, the company's in-house incubator of robotic fulfillment systems. Amazon in June unveiled its first fully autonomous robot that can operate alongside warehouse workers in addition to other systems that can sort and move packages. It also acquired uh, Clustermans, which develops warehouse machinery and robotics. You know, this is where the future is going right now. And honestly, robotics, it is, okay? We've talked about some of these in the past podcast and disclaimer, like I've always said, I have shares in Nightscope, their long-term position, and it's a small position, but robotics are slowly becoming the future. And honestly, there's going to be a lot of robotics out there soon, whether it's the flippy machine that's flipping your burger soon, or the, I I don't remember it's called flippy for the fry segment, but there is a flippy version that helps with fries and onion rings as well. This is just continuing on with the robotic revolution that's coming. You know, history is going to look back at this moment and realize that we were in the robotics revolution. I mean, think about it. The industrial revolution happened in the 1800s with the rail and all that stuff. And now we're potentially hitting the robotics revolution, which is going to change mankind for the better. Because there's, in all honestly, okay, repetitive tasks should be given to a machine to make a job a lot easier, okay? I mean, even, uh, like I said, with Nightscope, who I've mentioned a lot in the past, Nightscope is hoping to get rid of repetitive tasks for officers and guards out there. Now you got this robot doing the same thing with Amazon. It's amazing what technology can do as it advances, but at the same time, it's going to make things a lot better. Now, here's the funny thing too. They're saying that it's causing injury within the workforce for those that for those that have robots in there. In reality, if it's causing injuries, it means that their system isn't set up correctly in order to handle the robots, okay? I I used to work in a factory back in the day when I was like a teenager, uh, at least for one summer uh, back in the day. And I remember that we had areas where we could stand and areas that we couldn't stand based off the machinery we were working with at the time. And it also, they, they had taken us to go through a lot of safety inspections and a lot of safety protocols should we get injured from those machines. Now, granted, we weren't dealing with robotic arms, but I mean, in reality, there are safety procedures in place that need to be done. That just means Amazon's going to have to continue with training with making sure that their future employees don't get hurt. But maybe too, they need to like mark up areas where it's like, do not walk in this area when this arm is in is working right now. So it's going to happen because robotics is going to help Amazon grow potentially. If you could pay a, a robot to do it, well, in reality, you're not even paying a robot. A robot can just do it, or robotic arm in this case, right? And you don't have to pay as many employees. Now, granted, there are certain things that have yet to be figured out with the robotics, like how can a robot tape 
a box together, but it can lift products currently right now. But so that means that the people in Amazon warehouses are going to be doing the manual task of making the tape over the boxes so that you can receive your order later. But that will eventually come with time as well as a robot figures out how to put tape on it. Now, the only thing I'm going to say about this too with the robotics revolution in the making, like I said, it's going to make things a lot easier for people. It's also going to help cut down backlogs that are happening in companies, which means Amazon in the future, if they're starting to use backlog as an issue for why they can't deliver, then there's questions that are happening within the company. Now, granted, robots can break down, whereas a human does not. But you can also get a robot to still be putting stuff away when some of these employees are on a lunch break currently right now. So in reality, automation can be a good thing. It just depends on how people look at it. So it's just going to be interesting to see what happens. Continuing on now for some breaking news that is still developing, but we're still going to cover it a little bit because it ties in with the last thing of what Elon Musk is saying at Twitter currently right now. From the market side of things from CNBC, Carl Icahn says he thinks we are in a bear market despite Thursday's rally. Famed investor Carla Icahn said Thursday, the, uh, Thursday's relief rally didn't change his negative view on the market, and he believes a recession is still on the horizon. Quote, we keep our portfolio hedged, Icahn said on CNBC, closing bell overtime Thursday. I'm still very quite bearish on what is going to happen. A rally like this, of course, very dramatic to say the least, but I still think we are in a bear market. Stocks set, uh, staged a huge comeback after October's reading of consumer price fueled bets that inflation had peaked. The Dow Jones Industrial Average jumped 1,200 points for its biggest one-day gain since May 20, May of 2020. The S&P 500 jumped 5.5% in its biggest rally since April of 2020. Big bear market rally occurs often because of the large short interest built up in the downturn, Icon said. While the inflation report showed some signs of easing, the founder and chairman of Icon Enterprises believes price pressures are stickier than most think because of wage increases. Inflation is not going to go away, not in the near term, Icon said. We are going to have more wage inflation. A lot of people don't want to work. The combination of higher interest rates and inverted yield curve led Icon to believe that a recession is inevitable, he said. And this is still breaking news as it's being reported, but it's still an interesting thing to look at what Carl Icon is saying. I kind of agree with Carl Icon. I do. Uh, oh, there's more news that's being broken about this right now. Uh, here it is. The consumer price index increased 0.4% for the month and 7.7% for a year compared to respective estimates from the Dow Jones for a rise of 0.6% and 7.9%. The Federal Reserve has been deploying a series of aggressive interest rates hikes in an effort to bring down inflation running around its highest level since early 1980s. Quote, I think the Fed did what they had to do, Icon said. I think they came late to the game to raise interest rates, but I don't think the inflation is over. And I agree with that statement, Carl Icon, because... Gas prices are, well, they're going down, I think, right now for the most part. But it seems like gas is going to be eventually rising again, okay? We know that in Europe, for instance, that dreadful winter is coming where they're not going to have as much heat soon. We've talked about this in past podcasts. I would advise listening to some of these past podcasts where we've talked about the issues that are happening in Europe. But I totally agree with Kyle Icahn. I firmly believe we are in a bear market currently right now. I believe we've been in a recession for a while. I mean, the market, I mean, you had days for a while where like the market would go down Monday through Thursday and then jump on Friday and then would go down again Monday through Thursday and then would jump again on Friday. That was the trend. I think the trend's still happening right now. But it seems like we're in a recession because the other thing too is advertising tends to go in, in downturn markets, okay? 
And this has to deal with now Twitter now, okay? Says here from the tech industry of CNBC, read Elon Musk's first email to all Twitter employees. Remote work over, company needs subscriptions to survive downturn. Hmm, what does that mean? In the article, it says, in the first company-wide email of Twitter's employees, new owner and CEO Elon Musk said the ending of the social network's work-from-home-forever policy. Now, according to an email obtained by CNBC, Musk wants employees to be in the Twitter office at least 40 hours a week and plans to personally approve any alternative arrangements. He also warned employees that the company might not survive the economic downturn without significant subscription revenue. And we'll get into that in a second with the letter. Musk wants to shift the company's business so that it generates at least half its revenue from subscriptions and can become less resilient on advertising. But he said in the staff email that he still anticipates Twitter will generate significant revenue from advertisers. And this is what the letter says, okay? This is from the letter. From Elon Musk, date November 9th, 2022, to team. Quote, sorry, this is the, my first email to the whole company, but there is no way to sugarcoat this message. Frankly, the economy picture ahead is dire, especially for a company like ours that is so dependent on advertising in a challenging economic climate. Moreover, 70% of our advertising is brand rather than specifically performance, which makes us doubly vulnerable. That is why the priority over the past 10 days has been to develop and launch Twitter Blue Verified Subscriptions. Huge props to the team. Without significant subscription revenue, there is a good chance Twitter will not survive the upcoming economic downturn. We need to roughly we need to roughly half of our revenue to be subscription. Of course, we will still uh, we will still then be significant reliant on advertising. So I'm spending time with our sales and partnerships teams to ensure that Twitter continues to be appealing to advertisers. This it, this is the Spaces discussion that Robin Yol and I hosted. The road ahead is arduous and the required intense work to succeed. We are changing Twitter's policy such that remote work is no longer allowed unless you have a specific exception. Managers will send the exception list to me for review and approval. Starting tomorrow, Thursday, everyone is required to be in the office for a minimum of 40 hours per week. Obviously, if you're physically and unable to travel to an office or have critical personal obligation, then your absence is understandable. I look forward to working with you to take Twitter to a whole new level. The potential is truly incredible. Thanks, Elon. Elon Musk believes that a downturn is downturn is coming and Twitter will be affected by this. You know what that also means too? It means anything that has to do with social media platforms like Meta and Google, even Microsoft with their Bing advertisements, those companies are going to get hit next quarter most likely if this downturn is really coming. Which means when Mark Zuckerberg yesterday announced that he was having to lay off people, this is one thing he's seeing right now. He's seeing potentially that there's going to be a downturn and Facebook's going to get hit hard in the advertising things. Elon Musk sees it right now. Hence why Elon Musk is turning to a subscription-based model to get a blue check mark on your Twitter platform. You know, I'm also curious to know at the end of the day, with Twitter in the making, if Twitter can survive. I, I think they will. Elon Musk is a really, really smart guy and he will find a way to make Twitter live. But what would be interesting is if Twitter became a new publisher of news and they're able to publish things faster or they come up with a deal with the news is that says, hey, if you start doing investigative journalism and you want to be able to tweet it out faster, we can do that for you. In reality, they probably could instead of having to wait forever to get the news out there. But there's ways Elon probably work around this. Subscription-based model will help, obviously, to verify those blue check marks that everyone is losing their minds over. 
And maybe another thing too that Elon needs to consider doing with Twitter is he needs to, hmm, maybe he also needs to figure out how to call out the news. That would be a more interesting way thing too. Think about it. People post news all the time and if they could fact check things, that might be a way to make Twitter more appealing in a way, if you think about it, right? That's one thing people wish is that the news would be more consistent and not as biased at times. And so if they will become a fact checker, fact checker as well, then that could help Twitter's case to survive this next downturn. Advertising will be affected for all social media platforms going forward. Twitter's just willing to admit it first. Facebook, Microsoft, well, actually not Facebook, Meta, Microsoft, and Alphabet, they're not willing to admit it just yet. I still don't know how Pinterest is going to be affected by this. I expect Pinterest to be affected by it. Snapchat definitely is going to get affected by this as well. But I don't know how they're all going to be affected. But it's good to see that Elon's raising the alarm, which gives us a better idea of what might potentially happen in the market soon. So yeah, market's getting more interesting every day with all these talks of what's happening. So but I'll leave it there. With that being said, thank you so much to this podcast for listening to this podcast. I hope you have enjoyed it. If you had, please like and subscribe to this podcast. Every like and subscription helps grow this channel so we'd be able to keep talking about events that are happening on Wall Street or that Wall Street isn't always willing to be able to talk about. Please continue to share with friends or family as every share helps continue to grow this channel. And we're about ready to hit 4,000 downloads on this podcast. Thank you so much for my fellow podcast listeners who keep listening to my podcast. Thank you and goodbye.